grew up in a conservative home where I understood that being good and being moral were part of being a Christian. And so that's what I did. What I didn't realize was how much I was in need of God's grace. I had always tried to live my life up to this crazy standard that I couldn't achieve. And then I couldn't forgive myself when I failed. In some ways, I was like the other prodigal son, the one who stayed home and then thought he deserved all the best by being good. Although I still need to be reminded practically every day, uh, I know that um, he will always receive me with open arms. Well, I'm still a work in progress, but now I'm much more aware of Jesus' love for me. And now I know who I can turn to when I feel that I've failed myself or I've screwed up. That is the only reason why I can sleep at the end of a hard day. And it is because of Jesus that I'm changed for good. Right. Well, at this point, I would love to invite you to take your notes out of your handout, and you can follow along with our discussion today. We are starting a series today called Change for Good, and we'd love to invite you back next week as we continue that series. I, I heard about a town where every Easter they performed a play surrounding the events of the last week of Jesus' life, including the crucifixion and the resurrection. But one year they had trouble finding someone to play the part of Jesus, and so they ended up hiring the town tough guy. And the first day he was performing the play, he was walking up the town street, and there was a heckler on the side of the road. He began to heckle the actor. And so the actor just dropped the cross, walked over, and punched him in the face. Of course, after the play was over, the director was horrified. He said, listen, you cannot retaliate. You're playing the part of Jesus. Jesus loved people. He didn't retaliate. We can't have you doing that anymore. And the actor said, okay, okay, I promise. But the very next day, he's walking up the street, holding the cross. The heckler's there again. The actor loses his temper, drops the cross, punches him in the face. So the director says, that's it. I have to fire you. And the actor said, please, don't fire me. I really need the job. I, I, I promise that I will keep my temper and if he shows up again. And so the director gave him one last chance. So the third day, he's walking up the street, carrying the cross. The heckler is there again. And he's just laying it on thick. He's just going after it. And you can tell the actor is beginning to lose his patience. He's clenching his fists. He's grinding his teeth. And finally, his anger gets the best of him. And he says, listen. I have to carry this cross right now, but after the resurrection, I'm coming for you. <laughs> That's what's called a preacher joke, friends. That means it's safe and not that funny. But today, as we celebrate Easter, I feel like I just need to start the whole thing off with this. I, I don't want to convert you, and I don't want your money, and I don't need you to validate my existence although I am insecure enough to want your approval, but counseling's helping on that. Uh, in fact, I don't want anything from you at all. I do want something for you. I, I want to introduce you to Jesus today because we believe in a living God and his name is Jesus. And if I can introduce you to Jesus today, you will find that his heart is the most winsome and the most loving and the most adventurous. And you'll find, if I can introduce you to Jesus, that Jesus will speak for himself. And so that's the desire that I have for you. And you can see that the title of the message is Change for Good. And the premise is simply this, that we are changed because of Jesus. Jesus, who loves us exactly as we are, 
but he loves us way too much to leave us in those places where we're hurting or where we're broken or where we're self-destructive, wounding ourselves or others. You see, it's true that this world can be a pretty dark place at times. You know this is true. You turn on the news. You see it on the headlines. You look in the mirror. You see it in yourself. There is this power in darkness. There's this strength in violence. There's this power that conceals uh, a strength that gives birth to fear, a power that makes hopelessness breed. And so much of our world is today in darkness. The reason for that is simple because there is a prince of darkness and a kingdom of darkness and, and the prince that rules this world in darkness. It's been that way ever since humans decided to turn their backs on God and go their own dark path. And I know a ton of people today, and so do you, who curse the darkness. And I know a ton of pessimists who focus on the darkness. I know a ton of preachers who shout at the darkness. But God chose a different way, a better way to deal with the darkness. He sent his light. And that's what the first scripture on your outline says. This is John 1, 9. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That's Jesus. And instead of wringing his hands, instead of lamenting the sad, sorry state of the world, God chose to split history in half and send his light, Jesus. Jesus, the light of God's love. Now, even though the world can be a dark and fearful place, there are some people who prefer it that way. Look what the next scripture says, John 3, 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. It's true. Some prefer the dark. Several years ago, I was on a mission trip into a developing country. It was a place where it was rather hot and humid. We arrived late at night. And we were taken to the house where we were going to spend our time there. And, and the door was open and the light was flipped on. And we heard rustling. We heard scurrying as we turned the light on. It was the sound of hundreds of cockroaches avoiding the light and finding corners to hide in. Oh, but don't worry, they weren't gone. No, they came out later when we were asleep. In fact, one flew across and landed on my head. <laughs> And I say this because nothing says Easter like a cockroach. <laughs> Unless it is, you know, the marshmallow peep cockroaches, right? I'm sure you've seen those. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. But let's face it, if we're honest, we have all been there from time to time. Spiritual cockroaches preferring the darkness. I'm a pastor, and I know that I've been there in certain moments, in certain seasons. If in a quiet moment you do some honest self-reflection and look in the mirror, you know that you have been in this place. In certain moments, in certain seasons that you've wanted to hide in the dark, you wanted to pursue selfishness, you wanted to pursue pleasure, you wanted to make choices that you knew would hurt others. But none of us, if we're honest, would choose to live in that place always. Martin Luther King Jr. says, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So God chose to send his light to drive out the darkness. 
And he did it in the least predictable way possible. He sent his son Jesus, love incarnate, to be born to a teenage girl in a stable, to be laid in a feeding trough, to be heralded by angels and worshiped by shepherds and lauded by wise men and to survive an assassination attempt of a jealous king. Jesus, this Jesus we're talking about, was born into poverty. He lived with integrity and with joy and breathtaking freedom. And the crowds were always attracted to Jesus. The non-religious folk loved Jesus because he revealed the Father's love to them. Partygoers were drawn to Jesus because he was the life of every party. Prostitutes loved Jesus because his love for them was in no way transactional or objectifying or selfish, and they had never known love like that. Pros- or, uh, tax collectors, rather, loved him because they weren't used to being loved, and Jesus loved them, and maybe they're still not used to being loved today. And yet Jesus was a constant champion of those in the margins. Jesus was the one who gathered children to himself. Jesus treated people square with equity. It didn't matter the shabby state of their tattered robes or the obvious quality of their convertible sports camels, right? Uh, Jesus treated everyone with honesty and integrity, and he revealed the Father's light. And this same Jesus died a criminal's death on a rough wooden cross. He had never done anything wrong. He was sinless. He broke no laws. He didn't deserve to die like a rebel or a terrorist. But he chose to allow himself to be crucified on that cross so that darkness might be broken. So that if we come to him, we might not remain in the darkness, but we would experience the light of his love the light of his forgiveness, the light of his grace. And today, on Easter Sunday, Jesus invites us to step into his light. In John chapter 8, verse 12, we read, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So if you're filling in the blanks, the first point in this two-point message is very simple. We can be changed for good because of the cross. It's because of the cross that Jesus has forgiven us. Jesus has forgiven us because of the cross. And in 1 John 1, 7, we read, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You can circle that last phrase. We are cleansed from all sin because of the cross. Because of the cross, what Jesus did was he took our darkness on himself. He paid the penalty for every dark thought and for every dark deed, for every unkind word, for every selfish motive. I want you to think for a moment about one thing, just one thing that you have done that makes you ashamed. One thought cycle, one behavior you keep coming back to. What is it in your life that still carries the power of guilt in your life? I want you to understand, Jesus wants to take that darkness away from you. He wants to flood that darkness with his light. And that's the power of the cross, the power that is so strong to forgive every human that has ever lived for every sin they have ever committed. That's the power that transforms our lives, to be forgiven, to be unburdened. There's a classic rock band called Pink Floyd, 
and they have a lyric which says, if I show you my dark side, will you still hold me tonight? If I show you my weak side, what would you do? Would you sell the story to Rolling Stone? Would you take the children away and leave me alone? Would you send me packing? And they're, they're hinting at the deep fear that all of us face, that if you really knew me, if you really knew what went on in here, if you really knew what went on in here, you'd abandon me, you'd reject me, you'd despise me. I want to tell you today, friends, Jesus knows. He knows it all. He, he knows it more intimately than we can understand because what he did on the cross was acknowledge all sin, all your sin, all my sin, and he took it upon himself. That means he took every rape and every murder, every drunken brawl, every enslaving oppression, every hate-filled scream. He took all of our interpersonal warfare, all of our interpersonal junk, and he took every shame-filled moment that we have ever chosen for ourselves, and he pulled it onto himself, and it was nailed to the cross. He knew exactly how much we needed forgiveness. And so he purchased forgiveness for us. And on that cross, with all of the darkness nailed to him, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. What he was praying for was the Father to reveal the light of his grace that it would break forth. At just the right moment, in the fullness of time, into a world of darkness came a light that would shine. An infant hope in a desperate hour, clothed in secrecy, void of power, hunted by a king, sought by the wise, heaven rejoiced, darkness despised, tempted, tested, human divine, yet through it all the light would still shine. Growing in stature full of truth and grace, the light appears in the most unlikely place. Rejected by others, they felt the embrace. Dinner with a sinner, a rendezvous at night, in the midst of a storm with a boat full of fright. A man up a tree, a child on a knee, a captive set free. Broken and battered, wounded and shattered, fractured and tattered, their lives really did matter. Yes, through it all, the light would still shine. Threatened by change, exposed by acceptance, darkness attacks with lies and deception. Blasphemer, glutton, sinner, liar. As the enemy stoops lower, love stands higher, higher and deeper, longer and wider. Healer, friend, teacher, provider. Yes, through it all, the light would still shine. 
religion unmasked, hypocrites taken to task, answers pondered, questions asked, which is the greatest, who is my neighbor, how should we pray, who does God favor, stories with truth, uncommon, uncouth, forgive and let go, not a tooth for a tooth, blessed are the meek, turn the other cheek, find when you seek, forget not the weak, yeast and trees, seeds and wheat, pearls and coins, hands and feet, Law fulfilled, love complete. Yes, through it all, the light would still shine. Darkness trembles at the sound of that phrase. First one day, then two days, then finally three days. Life begins to grow, evil begins to know. A stone begins to roll, and light begins to explode in a resurrection glow. Angels descend, every knee bends, a savior appears. The followers hear words of life, not dread. Why seek the living among the dead? At just the right moment, in the fullness of time, into a world of darkness came a light that still shines. I saw a bright light shining last Tuesday night. I had a privilege of being invited to a, a wedding ceremony. It happened in our Celebrate Recovery ministry, and it's a kind of a special story. You see, uh, this couple had gotten divorced a few years ago. But since then, they had, they had turned wholeheartedly to Jesus and begun to walk with him. They had entered into our Celebrate Recovery ministry and pursued recovery and sobriety and health in that ministry. And as they walked with Jesus... Uh, he rekindled their friendship, and it turned into romance. And then that romance turned into selfless love. And on Tuesday night, this couple got married for the second time to each other. I told him, I, I, I said, it's the clearest picture of the gospel I've ever seen, because right in the middle of their ceremony, what they did is they walked over to the cross with their 10-year-old son, Rain, and the three of them nailed the divorce papers to the cross. And I said, this is what the resurrection does, right? This is a picture of a marriage resurrected. And I want to tell you, that's what we're talking about when we talk about the light of Jesus shining in the darkness, you see, if you're filling in the blanks, the second point in this two-point message is very simple, that we can be changed for good. Because of the empty tomb, Jesus has empowered us. Because of the empty tomb, because of the resurrection, because Jesus is a risen Lord, right? We are now empowered to live as children of the light. Certainly, Jesus was a martyr. There is not a historian on the face of the planet that argues that he didn't give his life on the cross. And a martyr is a beautiful thing. To think of someone laying down their life, to think of a righteous person dying for the unrighteous, this is a noble thing, certainly. But I want you to understand that what we're talking about is more than martyrdom. 
Jesus rose again from the grave. He rose from the dead, proving that he was who he claimed to be, God with skin on. We celebrate a living Lord, a a living Savior, a vibrant light. And in 1 Corinthians 15, we read this. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers. And millions and indeed billions around the world would attest, we have met the risen Jesus. We have been changed because we have been introduced to the living Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul goes on to say that the same power that raised Christ from the dead now gives our lives power to shine. Now we can live as children of the light. Friends, if we don't invite Jesus into our life, then his light isn't within us. It's not that there can't be some good things happening. It's just inside of us, we don't have his presence. We don't have his love. We don't have his power. In other words, it's not about what it looks like on the outside, the externals. It's about what's going on on the inside. Many of you know this story. It's in 1999, a professional golfer named Payne Stewart took off from a Florida airport in a private charter jet and reached a cruising altitude of 39,000 feet and then made a slight navigational turn, and that was the last time air traffic control heard from this airplane. 1,500 miles later, hours later, it crashed in South Dakota. Over Missouri, a couple of jets had been scrambled to come alongside the aircraft to see if they could discern what was going on, and all they saw was that the windshield was frosted over. It was a tragic occurrence, and I bring it up only to say this, that if you were on the ground looking at that plane, you would have assumed everything was just fine. You could have watched it from one end of the horizon to the other, and you would have made an assumption that everything was functioning as it should be, that there was plenty of life on the inside, but you would have been wrong. And I bring that up only to say this, that for some of us, we're living a life just like that plane. We're we're cruising it 500 miles an hour. Our lives are flying along at the right altitude that that from the externals, when people look from a distance, they think, oh, she's got it all together. Oh, he's doing just fine, but there's no life on the inside. We haven't invited the light of Jesus to come inside of our lives, bringing his life to our lives. Romans 8, 11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. I'd love to have you circle the phrase, he will give life. That's what Jesus does. He will give life. And we are changed for good because on the cross, Jesus has taken care of our sin problem And because of the empty grave, Jesus has provided the power that we need to live as children of the light. Now, this happens by trusting in Jesus. 
It happens on the inside within us as we place our faith in Jesus or believe in the power of the cross. We believe in the power of the resurrection and then we begin to walk with him. This happens, the Bible says, by faith. And I have seen people who place their trust in Jesus changed instantly. Healed of disease, set free from addiction. I have seen broken relationships restored My buddy Daniel was higher than a kite. When he gave his life to Jesus, he became instantly sober. He lived instantly clean. He was incredibly loving, far more than we could believe. That gives incredible hope to all of you here today who have shown up to church totally stoned. (laughs) We want you here. We're glad you're here. But I have also seen perhaps in greater and greater measure, something just as miraculous. I have seen more people who place their trust in Jesus, and for them, it begins a journey. And along the journey, they experience greater and greater light amidst the darkness. Along the journey, they experience closer intimacy with Jesus, whom they're walking with. They become more loving and more gracious. Their lives become more generous. As they walk with Jesus, the old addictions and the old medications begin to lose their grip on their lives. And over the course of years, their faith, as light, imperceptible at first, begins to radiate from them in ways that would have been impossible without Jesus. I know a gal who is living 17 years sober after addictions have tanked her life in relationships. I know a guy who, in humble love, reached out to his estranged daughter after 27 years of silence. I know a husband and wife who left successful careers in order to care for disabled children in a country where services to the the disabled are non-existent. I know a dude who's here right now who found Christ in prison and his life was transformed. Now he leads a ministry to other inmates. There are hundreds and thousands of stories of how, through faith in Jesus, lives have been changed for good. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 4.13, For I can do everything, circle the word everything, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That next verse from 2 Peter, by his divine power, God has given us everything. Circle the word everything. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Friends, this kind of power we need to receive from Jesus. We can't muster this kind of power on our own. You don't have the muscles it takes to flex in just the right way so that you can manufacture your own light. You can't do that without the power that Jesus brings, without the forgiveness that he offers through the cross, without the power that he offers through the resurrection. I'll give you one last analogy this morning, and it's the analogy of a light bulb. Really simply, you look at this light bulb and you think, wow, it looks like it should be functional, but it's not illuminated. Why? Well, because it's not plugged into the source of power. I'm just holding it in my hand. And some of you, that's the life that you're living right now. You're, You're disconnected from the source of power. But you see, when you say yes to a relationship of love with Jesus Christ, what's happening is you're getting plugged in to the source of power. You're being connected to his power source. And then because you're connected here, 
then you can understand that the more you walk with Jesus, the more his light begins to shine through your life. The closer that you get with Jesus, the more you'll understand that it's his love that is radiating through you. The more you experience his grace in your life, the more able you'll be to share his grace with others. The more you understand how he is blessing your life with undeserved favor, the more you'll be able to be a blessing in your world to others. His light will begin to radiate through you more and more and more as you journey with him. In fact, I want to draw your attention to the words of Jesus right now. Jesus says, those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they're going. Put your trust in the light while there's still time. Then you'll become children of the light. And so on Easter Sunday, it is my great joy to declare to you that Jesus is the light and the source of all of our light. He loves you more than you will ever comprehend in this lifetime. His love is what motivated him to give his life on a rough wooden cross so that we might be changed through his forgiveness. His love is what motivated him to destroy death, to heave heavenward from the grave so that we might be filled with the same power and live a victorious life in him. His love for you is secure. His love for you is overwhelming. And his love is what changes us for good. And so now I just want to close with a question. And it's a question that only you can answer. Is will you receive his light into your life today? Will you trust in him and step into the light? Why don't we pray together? As we bow our heads and as we close our eyes, we just begin by praying Jesus Thank you so much for being the source of light. Thank you for seeing us in the darkness and for coming close and pursuing us and finding us and loving us. We are so thankful to you. And today, Lord, I know that there are some here who have never said yes to a relationship of love with you. I pray that you would whisper your courage and your peace into their hearts right now. Help them understand that there is no downside to this decision, that they were made to have a relationship of love with you that starts now and lasts throughout eternity. And I pray that you would help them say some words right now in the quietness of their own heart, some words to you like this. Jesus, I do believe in you. Jesus, I accept your gift of love today. I receive the gift of your grace I receive the power to live a victorious life. I receive your light into my life today. Jesus, I ask that you would guide me into the fullness of the life that you have planned for me. I still have questions, Lord, you know that, but I ask that you would guide me to the place where I could ask those questions in a safe environment and receive your answers. Thank you for loving me, Jesus, and thank you for letting me accept you on this Easter Sunday. For those who are here who perhaps already believe, maybe you want to pray something like this today. Jesus, I confess that I have been living at a distance from you, that my relationship with you isn't close or tight, and and that my life isn't radiating your light currently. So I ask that you would forgive me and that you would draw me close and let me again live the life that shines with your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. I receive you now, and I choose to walk in your light today. 
And Lord, for all of us, we want to say thank you for how you bless us. Thank you for how you love us. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.